0: A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more.
1: This is Peak Speed.
0: And we're back with exciting
1: news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet
0: online shopping discount code. And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while, uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now, and now uh, out on their own, they've got a roaster, they're roasting beans, uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee.
1: So, John, how do the people get this amazing discount you speak of?
0: Go to their website, which is prismcoffee.com.au. Pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got. You can get it ground. You can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own. They've got all of the options. Uh, and then you use the code Coffee in the discount bit of the shopping cart. And uh You'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think they express post everything. So hopefully quickly.
1: Perfect. Amazing. Well, and that's it. Without further ado, here's the th- episode. Yeah. Presented Enjoy. by Thomas Lilly and John and Baby crying in the background, not included.
0: So don't say anything controversial, Will. Um, now that we're recording, people, your uh, shit talk on how you're going to beat our next, next time you see him at competition.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's going for a thousand and twelve weeks. What do you reckon? A thousand and
2: twelve. Uh weeks. well, fuck! I mean, he's not looking weak. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> no.
1: no, 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 no. I that guess the squat it's a- was immense. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, th- uh, I th- I still hold my belief. I think he has a better shot at four hundred and ten then he has a three hundred and fifty deadlift. But yeah, uh, however it comes together, I'm sure he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I. And then Rachel. Really-
1: I agree. I think um, I think he's strong enough to do a thousand. Whether or not he can put it together on the day is is going to be the thing. It's always the case when someone's like clearly strong enough to do a particular total. Um, but just, like if they have the absolute perfect day, then it just yeah, hinges yeah. on the day being perfect, right?
0: And as I'm sure Will would attest, not that I can attest to from personal experience, but I imagine when you're very, very strong at the top end of any performance uh, area, putting it all together on the day is the hardest part.
2: I think the fact that he's doing it at, what is it, Sydney Cup? Uh, whatever it's called. I don't know, the GPC Sydney thing will be a little bit more uh friendly than doing it at pro rule oh yeah for sure and the, got a little bit of a weight cut so it can come in a little bit heavier definitely not as much noise yeah nowhere yeah. near as much pressure yeah well, I like who's that. compared Probably being second place by hundreds <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: there's something i think about not having someone who's as strong as you breathing down your neck and forcing you to make good decisions in terms of attempt selection and things like that, that makes it a bit easier to be able to line up all
1: the ducks you need to be in a row to have that perfect day. Yeah. And little things, just being able to sleep in your own bed and eat your own food and not being in in such a foreign environment, have
2: everyone that you normally have there. Not having to coach at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then then sure. uh, we've got Rate in Perth doing that in uh, a month, two months, whatever it is. Yeah, it's something so like that. Looking hectic. Uh, that is, if Rate does 110, I don't know if he's doing 100, 110, whatever he does. Yeah. It's a mystery. I'm always going to maintain,
1: uh, until someone proves otherwise, that Rate is by far the best uh, or the strongest pound-for-pound pound lifter in Australia. Like, I'm biased. I just like him because I like him. I just like watching him lift. But that guy's freak, crazy
0: strong. It's absolutely insane. It's like watching a robot lift weights. Sometimes, like he's just the way he deadlifts is fucking awesome. It just, yeah, it's ridiculous.
2: Mm. Uh, people we, always go like me. They're like, oh, this new guy. Have you seen it like rate guy? Like, <laughs> you look on open powerlifting. It was I, I think his first one was two thousand six. Been powerlifting
1: since he was like three years old.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope he's strong <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have to apologize as well because we're doing the three-way zoom thing it's going to be a little bit like uh cutting each other off a few times for yeah all those listeners out there okay well I want to start with two questions and that is what is your favorite coffee and why is it prism
2: coffee go Co? <laughs> 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 I was waiting for coffee. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, I, I love it. Oh my god, that was the <laughs> best.
1: <laughs> and you love it even more when you use the code Peakspeak and get a like ten percent discount.
2: Uh, 100%. <laughs> what is
1: What's your go-to coffee? Like, you go to a cafe. What's What's
2: your order? uh usually it's a latte at at a. uh at a cafe, because like the frothy milk and stuff like that. <laughs> but when I'm at home, it'll be almost black. So I'm not super pure. I'm not um, like I need to have it this way. It's just that when I go out, I hate ordering a black coffee at the cafe because I feel like it's even less value for money. <laughs> it's
0: also really easy to fuck up black coffee. Like you can hide a lot of average coffee with milk. But when you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll have a long black and then you take one sip and you're like, oh, actually, cool. That's just like black toilet water. Great. Thanks. <laughs> it feels like you've
2: been even more ripped off as well. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm not a guy that has it like super hot and I feel like black coffee is always, I don't know. I'm sure there's a reason, but it's always just like boiling water. It, that's because it's boiling water, Will. Water. Uh, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's how they do it. <laughs> they don't pull a shot of espresso ah, yeah. on top of like 300 mils of hot water. That's that's that's,
1: that's all long black is.
2: Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's cool at all. Like, it's just like it's just I can't drink it for half an hour.
1: Yeah, I'm real bad. Like, as soon as I'm handed my coffee, I pretty much scull it. So I could really struggle with the long black thing. Besides, hating long blacks as well. So yeah, that's because you There's only a drink your that's
0: up. Extra. Yeah, I don't understand people that order milky coffees extra hot. Like what you're just getting is burnt milk and it tastes like shit.
2: <laughs> yeah. it's it, She orders it to the point where it's like like it will scald your throat if you drink it. <laughs> I don't understand it. Whereas mine will be like room temperature.
1: You have to wait for it to cool down before you can drink it properly anyway.
2: She doesn't. She, I don't know if it is. It's, it's, it's insane. She's just next level. Venezuelan. <laughs> um, so what, what are you doing with your training at the moment? Will? Um, I, I guess you would call it somewhat of a, a transition back to powerlifting. Um, mm-hmm. that, all that bodybuilding stuff or well, since pro roll almost um, mm. since lockdown, screwing about just trying to, trying to grow, have some fun, get my mindset back. And then, uh, it's only a week or two into squatting again, benching again, deadlifting again. Um, so yeah, it's still feeling a bit trash on that front. But uh, but yeah, trying to trying to build some volume back up in them, trying to get the body used to that again before I go back to full. What you know, what we would consider a powerlifting program, a more specific program. Mm-hmm. It's even doing I think three sets of squats. Uh, and the same on bench and deadlift is just beating me up hard at the moment. So I'm yeah, just yeah. building some capacity back there.
1: And how does it, when you, when you, you know, you finish up pro raw and you or finish up prepping for the comp, that didn't happen. Uh, and then you, you break away and do the kind of bodybuilding training. It's been, what, almost six months now. Um, I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of newer lifters would hear something like that and freak out cause they need their beloved squat bench deadlift. And they think any second not spent training is a second lost towards getting stronger. Um, what, what do you think is the, I guess the mindset that you took that allows you to not think like that?
2: Uh, I think we've just been doing it long enough that you realize that, it, that the skill comes back. Mm. That um, efficiency comes back. Like I know how to squat, bench, deadlift. I know I can get it back, uh, and I'm not super worried about n- not being strong all the time. Whereas if, if, yeah, five years ago, completely different, completely different game. I think I would have freaked out for sure. Uh, but yeah, we, we all know. Like all of us have been in the game long enough that we know that um, that to be the strongest power lifter isn't about just belting it, going hard all the time. It's 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 kind of like an outlast game. It's who can continue to do work and slowly chip away for really really long times, so and not you know, not get injured, not not do those things. That's that's the some of the keys to to the long term game. So I don't know. I feel I feel like it will um, benefit me long term. It's it's hard to say right now, but I feel better. My hips are better. My shoulders a lot better. So. So far, so good. <laughs> yeah. I'm not good. Hitting the, yeah. I'm not hitting the volume frequency, the weights that I was before, so it's hard to tell exactly, but I feel, I feel great now.
0: That was going to be my next question was how do you feel physically? Do you feel like you've like sort of reset a base and you're ready to push that volume? Or do you think uh, it's going to take a bit of time to get all of that back to a point where you don't just feel like garbage
2: all the time? I think it'll come pretty quick. I, I, I already feel like in the gym, like like I said, they feel trash a bit like the technique wise. I like, guess finding myself under the bar. Yeah. But but things feel good. I, I really like a uh, just the sh- the shoulders, the hips, all the things which kind of hurt a little bit before, um are improving each week pretty quick. So I'm fairly confident that I can push the volume up just gradually, almost week to week and, and I'll see things come back real fast. And um hopefully all those really heavy RDLs and hack squats and all that stuff. Uh, hopefully see some sort of transfer there. I'm not, I'm not going to say, yeah, hundred percent transfer right now. I'll eat my words later, but <laughs> uh, no. I'm feeling good.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a funny thing. Like, uh, you know, obviously you're very experienced people going through that transition from less experience to experience when they start to, you know, recognize that, lifting is just work you know Powerlifting is just work it's about just doing the same thing over and over and over and um, they start to learn that okay well you don't need to do squat bench deadlift all the time it becomes really easy to focus on how shit things feel all the time so you're coming into a prep for a comp, you're like fuck everything just hurts i just want to go back to just want to switch to you know bodybuilding style training for a while and get away from the three lifts and then when they're doing that they're like fuck i just want to be strong there's a there's that's like the intermediary between where you are at, which is just like, okay, this is the phase I'm in and this is what I'm doing right now and I'm just going to enjoy it and appreciate it for what it is. And as soon as I get back into the the powerlifting stuff, the skill will come back, my strength will come back. Um, I think it's very liberating to be in, in that zone. It's been cool to watch you come and do really fucking heavy hack squats.
2: Yeah, I think, I think even though... Uh, it has been a little bit of a physical reset it's more it's more the mental game like yeah. i i kind of miss those like you said um everybody kind of wants to do go and do some of the bodybuilding stuff or do some of the other movements but you don't really ever get a chance because you've got a comp in three months or whatever it is six months and so it's, it's really like the world is never going to be well hopefully it's never going to be like this again where we have a big break and we get a chance to uh really reset from it. and the, the mental side's been the best thing i think just being able to get in that hack squat, lock myself in, not worry about little hip shift or twisting or the, the finer tiny little technique details and just literally go hard and, and, uh, and feel like I'm close to proper muscular failure. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I know, just get that feeling of hard work back again.
0: That's a very different feeling that if you've only really been exposed to like training for powerlifting and that's the thing that sort of got you into lifting weights and and you enjoyed it that way. Sometimes it's a bit weird to go away from something where the focus is on the skill and go back to something where it's, it's a way lower skill demand and therefore you can just work really fucking hard and get to that point where it is true failure. I think a lot of people, especially those sort of beginner intermediate people who've been exposed to powerlifting in the last say five or six years, probably don't know what like true failure feels like. What they know is technical fatigue and, and technical failure, not a like I've actually done enough hack squats that my quads have stopped contracting and now I'm stuck. Uh, it's it's a
2: totally different ballgame. Yeah, B time. B time. I, and I did bodybuilding before it. So yeah. I, I missed those days where me and the training partner would be sitting there on the, on the leg press, saying one more when you're literally just grinding out reps and then yeah I mean it's it's not to say that I couldn't do that in uh alongside the powerlifting training to some degree but you kind of lose that you lose a skill a little bit like I, I really think just like doing a 1RM is a skill like learning to push through and going to uh, doing those final one two rep um you don't think of there is a skill as well so
0: it's suffering it's like suffering is a skill it's one of those things that I've always admired in um uh, like in proper endurance athletes, like the guys that ride Tour de France and stuff like that. It's like, you just have this uncanny ability to suffer for six to eight hours a day and just like mentally check out and hope you don't die in the process. Like actually when it comes to it, all the stuff most of us do in the gym is pretty fucking easy when it comes to that. Cause it's kind of over in a couple of minutes at most when you got to sit down and suffer for several hours at a time, it's a, yeah, a whole other kettle of
1: fish again. Yeah, it's. I don't know if either of you have um, listened to or read um, "Can't Hurt Me" the Dave Goggins. Book. No, I haven't yet. Um, I, I mean, like that's the very, very, very hardcore end of the spectrum. But it's just fascinating to to listen to someone's mindset who, I guess, kind of exists to push their to push their limit, and not just in this in the nice sense of yeah, I'm pushing my limits to see how much weight I can lift, but to actually push the limit to like okay, my body wants to shut down, but I'm going to tell it to fuck off and just keep going. It's pretty wild.
0: That's why powerlifting is not actually as hardcore as a lot of people like to think it is. Because at worst, <laughs> your max, your maximum effort is done in a couple of seconds. And, you know, it, it takes a certain mindset for sure to get under a really heavy weight. But when it's done in 10 seconds, it's, yeah, different to like oh, I'm going to actually run myself until I nearly die. <laughs> not that I want to do that either, to be clear. But...
1: So, um, we'll, oh, sorry,
2: you go. I was just going to say, well, yeah, but, uh, like I, I think in the, sh- just to, this is the paladin podcast, <laughs> just to give it back a little bit. I feel like, yeah, doing doing another a squat session or, or, you know, like one session, uh, is, is definitely true. What you're saying in the short, like to, to get through it. But I think just the hard part, the, the real difficult part is to do what I said before and to do it over years and, and oh, continuously, like, yeah get through a prep and yeah. have all those niggles and, and then do that mm. year after year and sacrifice.
1: And to be satisfied with how slow progress really is like to, you know, six months later do a set of five with 2.5 kilos more than you did six months earlier. and be satisfied that you've made progress. Mm. Yeah.
0: That uh, sort of monotonous grind aspect of powerlifting is the thing that I think some, some people who've been, haven't been around for very long, aren't quite prepared for how miserable those sort of middle years of your powerlifting career can be where you're chasing that two and a half kilo increments over months and years, as opposed to seeing massive gains in the first three months of your lifting career.
1: Mm. Um, So, Will, I wanted to ask, you know, for, for most people, Uh, that would be listening to this who are more in that sort of intermediate thing, intermediate, intermediate skill level, you know, they'll finish a powerlifting comp and maybe come into some sort of uh, some sort of training block with no comp in the future and and have particular goals in terms of, okay, I really need to fix this aspect of my squad or, uh, you know, uh, get some strength in this area for my deadlift. You're pretty technically refined across the board. So what was the, um, I guess, what were the priority areas for you during this um, this last six months of Bodybuilding style training.
2: Mm, I'd like to say it was. Uh, I'd love to sit here and say that it was a lot smarter than what it was, and there was a lot of thought behind it. But <laughs> it was. It was really. It was really what I just said. Just getting that mental game back. Yes, yeah, and just. Uh, it could have probably been done a bit smarter, and and, and if uh, if I were to sit down and and. One of my powerlifting athletes and and plan it out a bit better. Uh, I probably would have done things. Tiny bit different, but given restrictions, as in like equipment mm. restrictions, coronavirus thing, uh, given uh, like I said that that want for a little bit of a mental break, um, it was kind of just choosing exercise that I enjoy, just aiming to to get a feel back and move move better in general. Mm. Um, yeah, if like I'm not, I think that I probably would have kept more specific work in there if I had the. Uh, just powerlifting 100% in my mind as to the goal. Uh, so it's hard to say, yeah, e- exactly. You had a pretty fucking
1: massive 18 months though between like prepping for Pro Raw and then sort of shifting gears and, and heading to America and, you know, doing all that travel and that education and prepping for that comp then coming back and prepping for the next Pro Raw all the while, uh, you know, your business has fucking exploded in the last 18 months further. Uh, there's been a lot going on for you so it makes sense to to have that sort of mental break and just kind of reset
2: yeah and it's starting to i said before the motivation it's cool seeing bass and ray anthony these kind of guys pushing it because it's giving me a bit of a kick up the ass to get back Mm -hmm. in and get back like i can't (laughs) as much as much as i say like oh yeah i don't really care i do it's, it's, the, like, it's always going to be, I there. do want to get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if bass goes really, I hope he does. I hope he really hits a thousand. Cause I know that I, it'll, I know, I know that there's a switch in my head that I'm trying to ignore right now, but I know that'll be, uh, <laughs> something that says to me like, okay, like we have to fuck shit up. Now. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the
0: <laughs> inner competitive athlete. They're like, Oh you're out externally you're like I don't care about this I am above all of this I am a zen master and then inside you're like motherfucker now I'm gonna have to get back on that
2: fuck <laughs> yeah 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 I mean, it's to go serious hard again um yeah and, and it kind of time it's kind of worked out well in timing as well obviously Queensland's come out of it the boys are starting to get back in them the vibes are starting to come back everything is there so yeah it's uh I'm feeling I'm I'm feeling like the the train's starting to roll the momentum's starting to build. And so
1: is the assuming that um assuming that uh, the on next year
2: is that kind of the next stop for you. Mm. Uh, I wanna say yes and 100% commit to that cuz I feel like with my my uh, issue with Proroar is always the the thing between coaching everybody Mm. especially if I'm going to do the 125s on the last day and I have two days of just like full on coaching before it. Yeah. Uh, like uh, that's going to be the hard thing there. It, like part of me really wants to go back to America and compete over in Miami. Cause I just thought those guys were just awesome. And uh, to go and compete with got even I'll get destroyed by guys like Jamal there. I think it'd be really fun mm. um, to do that either that or or, uh, or Queensland States or something like that. In March, March, April, whatever it is, yep. if that goes ahead. Assuming it all goes ahead, assuming it all goes mm-hmm. to plan. But yeah, definitely early-ish next year. Because if I start to drag it out past that, uh, it's going to be a lot mentally harder to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just go straight back to bodybuilding,
0: whip out the J-string, and the fake tan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe with the maybe
2: <laughs> maybe with the J-string. <laughs>
0: Not on stage though just in general, yeah, good, like you got a home gym now, you can train in <laughs> whatever you want <laughs> that's it. you get to make those rules
1: mm.
2: <laughs> just for the gram.
1: <laughs> so one thing i one thing I wanted to to bring up while we've got you on because you know in your uh in your travels over to the states you did uh you did some uh, <laughs> some stuff with dr. Pat Davidson, who else did you see did you? What was that couples? <clears throat> couples yeah um there's there's kind of this growing trend uh in instagram i guess uh, <laughs> of, uh of of a real like education boom which is great like it's it's great to see people uh, critical thinking it's great to <laughs> see people applying sports science uh, into stuff like powerlifting which really has no science and no attention given to it because it is a bit of a no-name sport in that sense um i think uh like the the analogy i used with you guys there's a lot of similar to rpe style stuff where people are seeing rpe by the top dogs uh, and then implementing it into their own training without really knowing what they're talking about or without really having the experience uh, to do so. And I see that a lot with, with this kind of stuff with like a, a draw from uh, strength and conditioning style stuff, stuff that doesn't maybe have direct application to the strongest squat bench deadlift uh, and then inserting it into their powerlifting philosophy. Uh, so the reason I wanted to ask you is because you've seen that from the inside out and you probably have a better handle on opinions from people like Dr. Pat Davidson. Um, so I guess I just wanted to open that conversation that wasn't really a question, but
2: you guys know what I'm trying to say. Very <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's all, it's all the little, uh, yeah, the, uh, I think what you're trying to go down the route of is all the little sensory stuff, the, the trying to get in better positions, and um, uh, how to it say it? Like, but yeah, it's all a- these little, like, I'm really heavy in the PRI. You guys know that. That sort of world. Obviously, going on and doing Zach's and Pat's course really um, pushed that a little bit further. Uh, but I feel I feel like it, it's all kind of drills, all kind of stuff just to make us move better, feel better, stuff like that. And we, we would know that the, the problem with that when you're applying it to powerlifting is that powerlifting is three lifts. It's super duper specific. In In a perfect world, we would just... Do squat, bench, deadlift over and over and get super crazy strong like that. And like I said before, the the aim of the game is to um is to last. And so yeah, where these drills fit in, I think is is that it's just kind of like uh just pulling us back away from conversations, pulling us back away from uh, the, the the downsides to that specificity, and just trying to get us to. I, I don't think ever any of us is going to ever can. We're never going to see like a low bar world record squat performed on the powerlifting platform with like a, a super upright torso and, you know, a stacked like pelvis and, and things like that. Like it's just not a performance thing. And I think that's the, the, uh, the hard part about trying to apply this stuff to, to powerlifting is that it can get confusing in the, when you see Zach or Pat or whatever, talk about, Oh, this is real squatting or a squatty squat or whatever they call it. Um, <clears throat> You can see, oh, okay, like okay, but then yeah, that breakdown comes in the, the conversation. I feel that powerlifting is just a different beast. Like performing a one RM squat with max loads to competition standards is, is different than trying to to move better and feel better and and get as deep as possible and use all joint range of motions. Like it's a, I feel I feel like that's the, that's the missing link is that we need to separate and, and understand the context. is is different. Those guys aren't powerlifters. I think um,
0: along that line, it's the way I've described it to a lot of people is understanding the idea of like variability and specificity being like a spectrum and that at a certain point, whether you're pursuing, you know, health or however you define that as a somewhat nebulous term, or you're pursuing high-level performance in whatever aspect it is, whether it's powerlifting, which is something that is, through its nature, very very rigid in terms of it's only really one plane of motion, it's all straight up and down, it's all you know short ranges of motion, it's all of that stuff that means. You are inherently sacrificing some of that variability in order to pursue the specificity of it. And I think it's the same for any sport, but I think there's potentially a lot of people that are getting confused about where you need to sit on that spectrum, depending on how experienced you are, how strong you are, all of those sort of things. Because I think the discussion we can have with you, Will, about you sacrificing some level of movement quality or anything like that to pursue a thousand kilo total is a different kettle of fish to someone who's been lifting weights for two years and be like, no, I'm a power lifter. It doesn't matter if I don't have full range of motion in my hips cause I'm a power lifter and I total 500 like that. I think that's a a very different discussion because it's the longevity piece. Like if you're making those sacrifices in your Movement quality to pursue your 110 kilo squat, that's probably not the same discussion that we're having with you about sacrificing movement quality to pursue a 400 kilo squat.
2: Yeah, the loads definitely uh, change it completely. The variability question because <clears throat> to go even further outside that, if I wanted to play, uh, I don't know, football or whatever, like another sport where they don't have a barbell on their back, then the variability that they need, the, the joint range of motions that they need, the, all that stuff is super important because they just need to get in a lot of different positions really quickly, change directions really quickly without load. I mean, as soon as you add higher load, higher output uh, to, to the equation, it, it it changes it completely. Like, um, in one of those, in the presentation that I did for uh, the Rebel Summit, it was I was saying I was using the analogy like in uh, in powerlifting, we want to be like a train on tracks. So like we want to, we don't want a huge amount of variability. We want to, we want to have all the force that we apply into the ground or into the bench or whatever, go straight into the bar. We don't want to be able to move around a lot. It's, it's a detriment to um, to performing a one RM. Mm. Whereas a uh, if I don't have if I don't have that huge amount of load and I don't need to stabilize the joints and do all that kind of stuff, then it's not really a a, a topic. So yeah, it's definitely a context. Thing. It's mm-hmm. a. But I think the way um, I see it coming into powerlifting is is what you said is is, is a year round approach. Is going like, hey, maybe we need to. We definitely need to go super specific. We need to do a lot of squat benching and deadlifting to get really good at squat benching and deadlifting. We have to sack us the joint ranges and the variability and that kind of stuff to get there. Um, Things are probably going to hurt a little bit. We're probably going to get these quote unquote compensations. We're probably going to get a little bit of inflammation and, and whatever. Uh, It's part of the game. It's part of, it's part of competing and it's part of especially powerlifting competing and and doing run rms uh, really well. And then in off season, maybe we, we do chase that, uh, that movement, a little bit more depending on where you're on a scale.
1: Yeah. I think you've, you've just highlighted what I was about to say, which is the, the time-based thing, right? People, I think that's the difference between how you're implementing your understanding of all of this stuff versus what I see a lot of, which is people seeing this stuff as the like, next step in terms of being a more intelligent coach, which is like, Oh shit, we, we actually do need to care about how people move. And we do need to throw all this stuff at them. Um, the fact that powerlifting training or training for this sport of powerlifting doesn't exist in a 12 week vacuum, right? It exists as a a periodized system over time. And there are going to be periods where we pull away from that train track mentality that specificity aspect and we really focus on how's this person moving how can we start to you know uh create better movement patterns not just for squat bench deadlift but for long-term joint health and improvement and all that sort of stuff as well i think people get stuck into like oh no we can't do powerlifting by doing squat bench deadlift and a few accessories we have to do all this extra stuff and it's just like figuring out the context of where does this fit into your training and when And when is it an appropriate time to shift your focus
0: away from that? Like whether it's a yearly thing or whether you're like actually – I'm going to do like the next two years is like, I've got these three big comps lined up over two years. So there's going to be this period where I'm okay with it, feeling a bit shit and making the progress, but not necessarily moving really well. And then being able to phase that back into taking six months to reset everything and be able to build that base again. I think the, the time scale needs to change depending on how experienced you are. You know, I I think someone who's been lifting weights for a couple of years can probably get away with, six weeks, maybe eight weeks of stuff that's a little bit less specific and move a little bit better and then come back to powerlifting pretty well. But when you're someone like Will, I think you're going to need a bit longer to reset all of that sort of building the tracks that you've been doing. You need a bit of time to be able to pull away from that. Uh, It'll become really hard otherwise.
1: So, turning that into a question, then, will when when do you think uh, people should be, you know, switching gears and focusing on this uh, on this movement and health based stuff that's uh, you know not so power thing centric? Um, where should they put it in their training, and how long for do you think? I know that's a very broad question.
2: Yeah, well, I think if we if we narrow it a little bit by assuming that the, the goal of the person. Is powerlifting 100% is just for them to become a better powerlifter? If we, if we say that, uh, then my answer to that question would be like when they when it's <clears throat> when it's impacting their progress or when things start to cause pain. Because what you said before about how oh yeah well, uh, people like to think that it has to be uh, really complicated. I don't think that's the case at all. I think if in a perfect world, if, if squat bench headlift didn't beat us up as much as what it does. Then we could all just do squat bench deadlift every single day, um, but unfortunately, it does come with a, a little bit of consequences. And uh, I think, yeah, it's just about, like I said, doing enough—just just enough, just to, just enough to to stop us from getting in pain, stop us to from uh, from impacting our progress on squat bench deadlift. You still want to be the majority of programs Still going to want to be squat bench deadlift if you want to be the best at squat, squat bench and deadlifting. Uh, it still needs to be super specific. It just it means, yeah, it's just that your choice of accessories and your choice of this other little stuff um, is, is simply that. It's just allowing us to do more squat bench deadlift. It's just, yeah, I, th- I feel like one of the problems that I've seen with all this stuff at the moment is that people get really drawn into it uh, and then they start to do so much of this stuff if you're doing a super squatty squat and doing like a super upright, heels elevated, knees forward squat that is, you know, biomechanically like perfect or whatever you want to call it, like um, the archetype of squatting. But um, if you're doing that, obviously the load is going to be really low. Uh, and if you do that with all the movements, and you're a coach and you like really try to push people too far down that road, all you're going to do is like detrain them to squat bench deadlift. And then when you reintroduce them to squat bench deadlift, they're going to have all these issues with like they're, they're going to have more issues because you're just going to, they're not going to be used to movements. The techniques not going to be there. The the load management's just, it's, you know what I mean? Like they're just going to detrain from it. So I feel like that is one of the problems that we've seen at the moment. We still need to do enough. It's just kind of like pushing it slightly in one direction.
0: Yeah. It's almost like the pendulum has gone so far in one direction that now we've gone back the other end you know like i feel like there was a trend for a little while there where people went pretty heavy on the dup idea of just like all i basically do is squat bench and deadlift just at varying intensities across a week and now we've almost swung the other end of the thing where it's like ah, oh, you never really need to squat bench deadlift it's like well we've trashed west side for a long time about that and now look where we ended up so i feel like at some point adjusting to it being not like pendulum swinging from one end to the other. But like you said, it's just that little shift each way, depending on where your priorities lie. Cause it's, I think the analogy of like steering a boat's really interesting because a boat, like a little bit of an adjustment shifts you slightly. And then over a long enough time scale, you're in the right direction. But if you just hammer it one way, then it's going to take you a really long time to come back the other way as well. So being able to make those micro adjustments based on the, the context, not just from a yearly standpoint or, a, or, you know, several year long time frame, but also from an individual athlete uh, context, your abilities, like the fact that, you know, Will, you said everything feels a bit shit, squatting and benching and deadlifting at the moment. It's not because you have to relearn how to squat, bench and deadlift. You know how to squat, bench and deadlift. You just have to get familiar with it again. Someone who's only been doing this for a couple of years is almost going to have to completely relearn it. Like you said, if you go too far down the road of, these extreme variations where you're not really touching on the same pattern, relearning it's the, the longest part of the process instead of being able to just kind of gradually shift back to where you need to be, reintroduce everything in a relatively well thought out manner and be in a position to start stacking weight on the bar pretty quickly.
1: Yep.
2: And the background of the person matters a lot too. Like, yeah, uh, persons come from playing football or the gymnasts, uh, something like that, then the amount of variability work you're going to have to do with them is minimal. Like they're probably the person that you're going to just go like specificity squat bench to smash them with. Like just, they're going to be able to do that. Not get near up is what, what I would now. Um, And then you get the other guy who walks into the gym and he's never really done any sports in his life. He's not really athletic at all. He's kind of locked up from sitting at his desk all day uh and wants to to uh, jump into powerlifting and do something competitive for the first time in their life like there, you take a little bit more of a balanced approach with that person so it's it's all person dependent but they're all doing some level of score bench deadlift that's for sure
1: I think mm. one one annoying trend that's come with it um you know people like Pat and people like uh Eugene Tio and, and those kind of people um Like they, they thrive off this polarizing social media sort of stuff, right? Really stirring the pot for the sake of stirring the pot for the sake of stimulating conversation. It's a very intelligent way of approaching polarization because they're saying stuff that's really annoyingly true, right? They'll say stuff that you can't really argue with, but they'll put it in a way that creates controversy. I see this like filtering down to uh, to other powerlifting coaches, things like nobody needs to do a deadlift from the floor besides a powerlifter. And I'll see a powerlifting coach say that. And I'm like, what? Why are you telling people to stop deadlifting? Your job is literally to tell people to deadlift. <laughs> it's like stay in your lane a little bit and, and kind of recognize and understand what you're saying. I think the the biggest issue I have with that is that people are now starting to say stuff like this or see stuff like this as an out to, you know, maybe not having the skill to guide people into the right positions or to fix, you know, uh, stability, motor control issues that people may have. So like the example I used uh, with John yesterday is the equivalent of like, you know, the gen pop really overweight man, or woman that says I've tried every diet in the book. It's like, no, no, no. You've tried every diet that, you know, uh, this is like saying, I've tried everything to get, get this person to hit depth, but they just cannot physically hit depth. It's like no, no, no. You just don't have the tools or the skills to guide this person into hitting that position. This person cannot do low bar. Well, maybe there's more strategies that you can use to get them into that. Because like, I think things like low bar squatting are so heavily demonized because people have a hard time figuring out what uh, what they need to do to prevent or solve issues that people garner from those you know uh, bad quote unquote bad positions that we get in. Because there's no reason why you can't do a low bar squat without beating up your shoulders. Sure, load over time and uh, you know uh, poor control in that position is going to beat you up to a degree. Uh, but I don't think there's any reason why we can't uh, work towards correcting that and work towards making that a sustainable movement. You know, what do you guys think of that?
0: I think the um, the polarizing thing that's it's exactly that. These the guys that you mentioned, like <laughs> Eugene and Pat, and a few other people, like that are throwing polarizing comments out because they're playing the, the Instagram game. And then what they get is a bunch of people who have this really visceral reaction because they can't get away from their own bias, be it they're a powerlifter who's like, no, fucking low bar squats are the answer to everything uh, or something similar. And so they have this gut reaction to like, oh, it starts this conversation because they're defending their emotional view. But the people that then just parrot the same message They've just flicked their bias from one end of the spectrum to another, and they're just trying to parrot a different message without understanding the context that is that that goes into a statement that's only 15 words long. You know, like Pat Davidson's putting decades of education into 15 words, and you you see people who come in like, Oh, you've been lifting weights for two years, and you're trying to have the same discussion. It's just not the same thing. And I think understanding you know, like the three of us can have this discussion because we've all had enough experience to know that when they say something like that, there's a real, like, you know, there's a little asterisk there that says like, hey, this is the discussion that we're having and it's a, it's about having the right context for it. But if you don't understand it and you just jump on that bandwagon, it becomes a very um, reductionist approach to things very quickly.
2: Mm. The, I don't know if this is a, exactly the direction of... What you said, Thomas. But uh, like, I feel like the the missing ingredient is effort on them. As in, like, I've seen Pat train in person, and when he's doing a, I don't know, like a a zercher squat or something, like he's 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 pushing that so hard, like to proper, like he's you know sweating, like dying, like, like. there's people spotting him and stuff, you know, like he's going freaking hard on that just for that split squad or that whatever it is, these machines like you've seen on machines. He was nearly rips the machines in half. Um, and Eugene's the same. Like I've seen him like fail uh, like on his machines and, and really push everything really close to failure. Both of them train really, really hard. It's just, and, and like, I think you said that people use it as a scapegoat for not being able to teach it, but I think they also use it as a scapegoat for effort a little bit as well. Uh, you can't sure, like, a like a front squat, uh, I see as like a a bit of a regression to a a, a bit easier to brace and a bit, um, bit more friendly on the body to then a low bar squat. I think it definitely has a lot of benefits over a low bar squat for most people, but still need to push this stuff hard. You still need to get close to failure. You still need to, to give the body enough stress for it to adapt. You still need to do something to move forward. Um, and yeah, these aren't, aren't these aren't meant to be like regressions in in the in terms of just making them easier. It's just you know, like you make it, you're making the position easier to hold so you can push harder. Uh, mm. I, I think that's the thing missing here. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, I think uh, uh, from a coaching perspective, um, people probably do need to learn to to teach me a bit better, they need to understand load management a bit better. They're still going to be big tools in uh, making exercises better or safe technique, load management. Um, Pat, Pat and those guys use them as like a front squat will be easier to teach one or two cues rather than five or six cues for versus a low bus squat. It's, it's a it's a regression progression spectrum of things. They're moving up and down that spectrum. Choosing the right X for the right person, but like I said, they're still going to push them hard. That's that that should be used. It it should be used like that. You're choosing the right exercise for the right person, and but you're still applying all the other principles.
0: Mm. Well, I think part of that comes from understanding the the often inverse relationship between the skill demands of an exercise and your ability to output force. So someone who doesn't have the skill necessary to be in a really solid low bar position can't necessarily work as hard there. And so potentially for someone that isn't competing in powerlifting, you don't need to spend as much time developing that skill. But if you're a powerlifter, you still have to be able to spend the time developing the skill because at a certain point you've got to be really good at the fucking skill being excellent at hack squatting is not going to carry over to your low bar squat in the same way. And so being able to, like you said, we'll pick the right exercise on the spectrum, not just for the person, but the time and context of that person's training history and their background and all of that stuff is, is a skill that is often neglected in this conversation because the conversation tends to be way more about polarizing ends of a spectrum as opposed to understanding that the whole spectrum is relevant and where you are on at any given moment, is yeah about making informed choice. I think more than
1: anything else. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I really like that intensity. That intensity point you brought up. Like, I think of myself in front squats. I I can do a front squat, but because of my hips, that they just feel really bad. So I focus really hard on what's happening at my hips to the point where you know I'm really struggling with eighty kilos because I'm so focused on the the discomfort. I'm so focused on why is the bar on my on my face instead of the back of my neck you know why why is the bar here this is not right i'm so focused on thinking of the change in position and the skill that i can't actually push that exercise to a point where it creates you know a relative amount of fatigue compared to something like a a front squat just like with cardio you know um i tried to I, i learned how to swim because i couldn't swim And I wanted to learn how to swim. My end goal was like, I'm going to learn how to swim and use it for cardio a couple of days a week, but I could never get the skill to the point where I could get a a cardio effect. You know, I I could get one lap of a 50 meter pool without dying. Uh, But, it just wasn't enough, you know, compared to walking around the block or whatever. Um so it's just like, why would I continue to to try and and, and beat my head against a wall like this when I can just do something else and get the the same desired effect. And I think you're you're hundred percent hitting the nail on the head with the whole idea of like regressing movements, but uh, ignoring the fact that if you if you're gonna push and create adaptation, there has to be that element of intensity there as well.
0: On the cardio front, that's why I- I really like the assault bike. Uh, so I've got like a rogue echo bike and we've got a concept to rower as well. And I, I really like rowing because I understand how to do the skill in a way that means I can do it for a reasonably long time and not feel like shit. Mm. But if I want someone to work really hard and get their heart rate right up there, put them on an echo bike or a assault bike or whatever, that's completely idiot proof. Like there is zero skill to it whatsoever because everything's locked in and you just go really fucking hard for as long as you can. Rowing's way more like swimming where to do it really well, you have to understand the mechanics of the, the sequencing and all of that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, sometimes it's not worth spending the time, learning the skill. You can just pick a better option on that spectrum and work hard and be done with it. It's also just a generally miserable piece of equipment to have. I've never used an Echo bike. Oh man, they're, they're so fucking gross. It's like, it's just horrific. The Echo bike's definitely the best version of them. Like, it's the most well-made, especially for those of us of more advanced size. Because most of the most of the ones you see in the CrossFit uh, boxes, like especially assault bikes and a couple others, are only weight-rated to like 110 kilos. The Rogue Echo bike's rated to like 160 or something like that. Uh, and it's just yeah, it's the nicest,
1: most miserable piece of equipment you'll ever own. So the seats. Is, is the resistance on it generated by the fan thing? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's the thing with the uh, Echo bike is it's belt driven instead of chain driven. So it's really smooth and it doesn't feel real janky and kind of like it's going to fall apart. Like everything Rogue makes, it's just built really well. Uh, so yeah, you sit on an assault bike and the three of us all feel like the thing's going to explode underneath us, especially once you can put out a lot of power. Um, but yeah, the the Echo Bikes,
1: yeah, built like a
0: rock. It's excellent.
1: I don't understand why three of us would be sitting on the Assault Bike together. That doesn't make well, sense. Well, I mean, why wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> You're asking the wrong questions here, Thomas. Hmm. Cool. I don't really have anything else to say on that whole uh, thing that we just spoke about, if you guys don't. No, I feel like we covered everything pretty well there. What are you doing with your diet now, Will? Are you back up to like five billion calories again? As
0: as he drinks from a fucking three liter apple <laughs> yeah, juice can. That's, what, that's <laughs> why I asked.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get the weight back up. Um, uh, it's trying to push back to 120. So, yeah, trying to trying to get to 120 lean ish, but it's just such a mission. I just like I just have to get it hard. Like it's. If I try to push like do the standard diet approach where I'm just like, oh yeah, I'll go on to a slight surplus and, and stuff like that, like it's it's just too hard because like if I miss a meal, like each meal is like a you know, a thousand calories or whatever, and then I end up in a stupid deficit. So I just go hard and try and push a little bit harder because I know that if I miss a little bit, I'm still gonna be in a small surplus and it's gonna be it's just gonna be better over time and I can lose the weight pretty easy. But yeah, I'm basically I'm on six, just over six, like six thousand 70 or something calories at the moment should be, and um, and yeah, it does mean drinking my juice out of the straight. <laughs> just going for yeah. yeah. so it. Yeah, it's not exactly me.
1: Does it piss you off, John, when people say, uh, I want to be leanish from a guy that's always got veins in his lats? Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. Um, but
0: uh, I've long ago uh, resolved myself to never being able to see veins in pretty much any part of my body, so I'm okay with that. <laughs>
1: It's like when the the fucking chick that can arch and have her ass touching her head is like, oh, I'm feeling really tight today. You're like, fuck <laughs> yeah, off, yeah, yeah. go away. Yeah, as they just do a full length split, just <laughs> oh, just
0: everything's a bit tight today. Yeah, you
1: yeah, know, I haven't had a chance to watch your um your six thousand calorie video. I need to, I need to watch that.
2: Yeah, we outlined the full diet, and that is what it's meant to be exactly. Like I said, I'm not here measuring out my juice or whatever, but but yeah, that's the general idea. Trying to push up to, um, trying to push up to 120 by the next couple of months, and then uh, then they decide because at 120 I can kind of decide like if I do a 24 hour weight comp, I could do 110 quite comfortably with a little bit of a diet. If I did, if I wanted to do one twenty-fives again, I could potentially push it up a little bit more. Um, hopefully actually compete it above 120 and 125s for once. So yeah, it gives me a couple of options sitting there. Where are you sitting at the moment for reference? It's like 117, 18, something now. And do you find
0: that's like you've kind of settled at that weight or do you still have to work pretty hard to maintain
2: that? Uh, this is all right. Like 115 is my, uh, It's it's okay for the moment. Yeah, um, 120. It's I don't know why, but 120 on the dot seems to be the point where I start to run into uh, the issues that come with being heavier. As in, like having to wear a CPAP, uh, just everything being a little bit harder, like just moving around and stuff like that, just being warm, constantly sweating, things like that. 120 is really the the the, the edge of that
0: cliff. <laughs> I remember having a discussion with uh, Nathan Jones about it. He came in one day. I was like, man, you're looking big. I hadn't seen him in a couple of months. He was like, yeah, my wife said to me the other day, like uh, we we're just standing in the kitchen. She's like, what do you weigh at the moment? Out of, like, out of context completely. Weirdly. He's like, oh, I don't know. She goes, you sound heavy. It's <laughs> was like, yeah, when, you, <laughs> when your breathing is labored and it sounds like maybe your throat's trying to kill you every night, it's, you know you're in, in
1: the heavyweight realm has that number shifted for you like because i i was telling someone the other day about i think it was pro raw seven you worked really hard to get like up close to 110 and then after the comp you did sort of a a bit of an off-season thing and you dropped to like 98 really quickly um was that point then when you were like really pushing on the edge of 110 was that kind of the heavy point then and now has it shifted up as you've gotten i guess more muscular and been able to hold on to that muscle yeah
2: you definitely adapt definitely adapt. Like, uh, going to the the physiology behind it, but like you, you absolutely adapt. Plus you just get better. You just get better at, um, uh, just being able to eat. You get a little bit more used to eating. Now you get a little bit more, your body, uh, I guess, kind of adapts to it from a fitness perspective. I, f- I feel like being fitter at the heavier weight is a big key to it. Mm. Cause when you're just struggling to, to move around at the weight, um, it it sucks. It's just like ruins everything in life. Is hard. Whereas when you? I've tried harder this time to to maintain at least a kind of base level of fitness, get the heart rate down, things like that. So I feel like that's helping um, hold it a little bit better. But um, it's still. I've I've just yeah, like you said, even pro or seven. So we're talking twenty fifteen. So I've always I've always struggled to put on weight. Always struggled to push it up. Says the fucking biggest guy on the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, w- uh, it annoys me when I listen to like Dylan. Dylan yeah, and yeah. Like Dylan, how Oh yeah, like, yeah, I've put on like 10 kilos from like 160 to 170 or whatever. Just eating like 4,000 calories. I'm like, fuck out.
1: Yeah, I, I do his, his nutrition and it was like big work to get him to go from eating like 3,000 to 4,000. It was yeah. a massive challenge for him. It's wild. People
0: underestimate the misery that comes from having to stack a bunch of food into you in order to force gain weight like that. It's you know, losing weight at a certain point. You can distract yourself enough from being hungry that you can kind of still do it. But when you've got a like Will said, like you've missed a meal and now you're looking down the barrel of 2000 calories in one sitting and then two hours later, you've got another thousand calories and you're still fucking full from the last one. It becomes
1: a pretty significant mental battle. And you eat relatively lower in fat, right? Like, how, how much fat would you be eating at the moment?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, relatively, but it's not, I'm certainly not bodybuilding, low fat dieting. Uh, it's like 100 and 100, I think it was like 100. Oh, no, it's on that video, but it's like 120, 130 <laughs> yeah, fat or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, I think people I just will, eat the same
2: every day. So I don't, I don't have the yeah, numbers.
1: I, I think people really underestimate like the sheer volume when your food is mostly. Carbs. It's like, oh yeah, that sounds like a dream. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. seven hundred grams of rice. <laughs> yeah. I love it how me and John are talking about it. Like we don't get fat by eating two thousand calories. <laughs> like we've ever had to experience force feeding. <laughs> I, I think I've done. I did it
0: once where I did like four and a half to five thousand calories for of like relatively clean, relatively low fat, and it was just fucking miserable. At a certain point, I just like. I have to get up early. If I sleep in on the weekend, then I'm fucked. Then you're like, ah, oh, now I've got to eat like three meals for breakfast and fucking two more at lunch. And this sucks. <laughs> but I also, you know, get fat thinking about cheeseburgers. So it's a different ball game.
2: Yeah. I, w- I went into a little bit on that video, but it's like, uh, uh, people always just say to me, like, why don't you just go and eat slam like a Domino's pizza or it's two pizzas or something. And it's like, it doesn't, it's just, it's not that simple because like, yeah, cool. I go and eat two pizzas and that, you know, that, that's half my calories for the day. Awesome. That wasn't that hard. But then your guts are all kind of like churning and you you know, just, it's very uh, hard to go and eat a ton after that. So it's, it's not a, um, it's not a simple question of just like slain as much calories in as once. It's, it's how can I get it all in over the day, still, still train uh, and do it again the next day. And not just feel like garbage all the time.
0: Cause you're yeah. just processing a bunch of shit regularly or like all day, every day it makes performing in the gym way more unpleasant than having to actually eat some real
1: food once in a while. Yeah. I, I think just like anything, it's about averages over time. Like I've had so many lifters over the years that are uh, forever skinny because their attitude towards nutrition is like, I eat so much. Like I'm eating so much like macas, and I'm getting so many calories in and like, yeah, you do that two days of the week, then the other seven, seven the other seven days. The <laughs> There's a nine day week, is it great? The, the other five days of the week, you, you're eating next to nothing because you forget to eat, and you're yeah. you're not prepared, and you're trying to rely on eating convenience foods and like high density, high calorie foods, and you just eat like shit because you're not. Yeah, a weekly average,
0: existence. a weekly average calories where two days are ten thousand calories, and then the other days are six hundred calories <laughs> doesn't actually work very well.
2: No, no, no. no. Same everyday guy. I literally 95% the same thing every single day. Mm. So it's a tip to people, (laughs) just consistency. We've we've
1: asked little questions before. We need to come up with some alternative questions, throw something out there on the fly.
0: Don't fucking throw me under a bus like that. I don't (laughs) know.
1: It's ask yourself four new questions.
0: I'm interested to ask the the what have you changed your mind on question again because I feel like we haven't done that since whenever the last time you were on the podcast. (laughs) Uh so what's something let's let's say the like the last twelve months, something that you used to believe pretty firmly and you've shifted your mindset on.
2: I actually completely forget what I said last time.
0: So do I, to be honest. Uh, I very rarely remember what we talk about on this podcast for longer than the length of the actual podcast. So it's fun.
2: God damn. I struggle with this. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 I guess it's, it's annoying because it's uh, related to this whole podcast, but like I only went to America in, October, November. Mm. So within the last year, a lot of the stuff that we just talked about in regards to um, all that movement-y type stuff, uh, both in what we talked about, like bring it back to specificity, but also like all the little things is in getting away from it. you kill us. Like I've, I've said for, for many years, uh, I think that the old approach of people doing, uh, singles on low bar into a comp and then doing tens on low bar after their comp is their off season has been a silly idea, but being able to, um, the doing those courses, open my eyes to a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, like I saw you John doing some hook line dumbbell Mm. bench the other day, your little post on that, which is cool. So it's definitely filtering out, which is awesome. But yeah, being able to, um, just change the position of your body, change the position of just these slight little details that make us being able to push harder longer, do the big stuff harder. Like it's just like I used I used to feel like it was very a separate thing. Like mm. here's lifting and they're completely two separate. We have to do one or the other. But by doing the little things like the hook being in a hook line position or being in a nine position while we do exercises, uh it can be a way to to combine both in a smart way. So it's, it's not so much uh, that I've completely changed on it. I've just got, to, I feel like I've just gotten a lot better at it. Yeah. I used to treat them as a, um, yeah, a more variability exercise, but now it's like, okay, cool, I can keep some, but still, still train hard.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Manipulate the variables enough that you're getting the desired result on, on both ends of the spectrum rather than only being able to do one or the other.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the the key. That's the hard thing to master in this stuff. I feel mm. it's it's really hard to do. Mm. Um, I don't know. they that, that, that couldn't no, that answer good. it. Enough? That's good. Would
1: you rather never squat again <laughs> in your life or never bench again in your life? Oh my god! If you don't answer answer bench <sighs> press well, you're done. You're not allowed to come
0: back on the podcast. <laughs>
1: and and uh, the, if you if you choose that you're going to squat, it, it has to be in wrapped. <laughs> oh, okay. I'd probably pick bench press to
0: be honest.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, squats definitely beat me up the most. Uh, they just piss me off. It's annoying. Uh, I, I probably wouldn't squat. I'll probably do something like i like, I actually enjoyed like the, the hacks was the leg press and that stuff. So I'll probably just stick to them, just slam those. All right. The bench press. Just like,
0: just like that, ladies and gentlemen, will Crozier yeah, We'll never return to Pittsburgh.
1: <laughs> then part, part B you, uh, wow. you have to choose between bench forever and deadlift forever, but deadlift has to be <laughs> sumo hook grip.
0: Oh. <laughs> This is the oh, hard, is, hard, qu- hard hitting questions of peak speak <laughs> podcast.
2: Yeah. Jeez. Geez, I feel like I'm on 60 minutes just getting grilled. Jeez. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to get bench press. It's, uh, it's, it's not even Sumo. If you said Sumo, it's been, but you chucked in. Ugh, God, <laughs> I
1: knew it. I knew the sore spots.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know me too well. <laughs> oh
0: I just can't imagine wanting to hook grip for the rest of your life just for fun. That would be such a
1: miserable experience. Do you like do you just hate yourself? Yeah. No thanks. Um all right. What so you are never allowed to do powerlifting again. What would be your next go-to
2: sport? Mm. Uh it's easier to sidestep and just go into like strongman or boybuilding. Feel there are the obvious choices that I'd actually have some chance of being. Hey, good so if you early. if you
0: didn't do a strength slash physical hundred and ten kilos of Will Crozier yeah. screaming down the wing of a rugby field would be pretty intimidating. You've got the neck right.
2: for for thirty seconds until I'm putting my hand up on the post. <laughs> I'm fucked. Get me Man, off. I reckon throw
1: Will in the octagon.
2: I, that would be fine. I would love to step in martial, arts, but I just know that, um, like, it seems to be this this theme of like, like, I'm sure it's been going on longer than I've been paying attention. But you know how everybody's all these powers just seem to be throwing the hat in the ring of like um, jujitsu and stuff right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, which I I feel like <laughs> I feel like people do because they're on a complete different ends of the spectrum. Because like at one at one point I was asking myself, why would you do that? Like they're so. Different, they're just so ridiculously different, and that's probably the reason, I
0: guess. That's why I got into climbing fake rocks, was because it was just the complete antithesis of squatting heavy and deadlifting heavy and all that sort of stuff. So it was a really nice change. The advantage of jiu jitsu is no one's going to punch you in the face. If you get into like proper MMA, at some point you're going to have to cop a punch in the face, and I'm just not convinced that's a fun way to spend your time.
2: Mm. Yeah, I like the idea of judo because it would it would uh, it identifies with my current fighting tactic. If I ever got into a fight, which would be just tackle them to the ground and lay on top of them. Yeah, oh yeah, so, hundred uh, percent. As a man of
0: it. advanced size, if you can get your hands on someone, they're probably in trouble. <laughs> as long as they <laughs> don't know what won. they're doing. Who someone who's actually good.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who would um, win the fight between Tank and Arkin?
2: he's alpha easy
1: Tank's a little, tank makes a lot of noise but he's a bitch who would win a fight between you and Mickey
2: <laughs> well I feel like uh, I have the size of me just like, being able to just sit on it but um, it's definitely way more aggressive than me and I'll probably back down yeah I
1: was going to say my money's on, on Mickey
2: scary. yeah, <laughs> yeah scary
1: <laughs> sweet any other questions John I'm just talking shit now. I've got no, I think, shit. I think <laughs>
0: we've, we've fulfilled our weekly podcast quota of bullshit banter. So, uh, I feel like we should probably wrap things up. Thanks for
1: coming. on.
2: By this point. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Always. Anytime.
1: Appreciate it. Where can people find you? They are. You're more famous than us. They already. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. If you don't know who Will Crozier is, I'm surprised you're listening to this podcast.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you made it to this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but you have to yeah. say so anyway, just for the formality.
2: Search Book crazy" on, on Instagram at wcross, or find us at Nexus Performance on the on the business side of things, uh, performance Aus on Instagram, and then everything else will link off from there, and you'll be put in the circle of ads. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Perfect, excellent. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. All right, follow us, love us, peak speak, coffee, uh, prism, etc. What the fuck are you talking about, Uh, Thomas? Just finish the podcast.